Hello and welcome to the VAFCast. Today we're meeting with Matt H., uh, RV6 owner at Northwest Regional here, 52F. Good guy. Uh, let's get in with the questions. Good morning, Matt. Hey, Doug. How are you this morning? I'm doing just fine. First question. How did you find your way into the RV hobby? And describe the moment you knew that it was going to happen. Um, probably a couple different chapters in the... Um in the early to mid-90s, I used to go to Oshkosh every year with my dad. My dad was a mechanic. He lived in Indiana. I grew up in Colorado. And so every summer, we'd have a pilgrimage where I'd go visit my dad in Indiana over the summer. We would drive up to Oshkosh, and my dad had a big interest in RVs. And so we used to walk the flight line, and uh, this is probably like 91, 92, and we would take pictures of all the different RVs, and he would point out which ones he liked and all the different paint jobs. And um, we would actually go to the early banquets. So if you remember that, you, you'd yeah. buy a ticket and you'd go to the banquet. Right. And um, I was maybe 14 years old, maybe, and uh, actually won a couple door prizes. So remember the old VHS tapes on like how to build a six? So like sure. I won those one year. <laughs> I don't have a VHS player anymore. Um, so it kind of took off from there. And so I just always loved the RV and, and thought, hey, maybe someday I could have one of those. That'd be really neat. But like a lot of people... Um, college jobs moving around family life happened and then by pure accident i was able to move here to uh, argyle texas about six years ago and found 52 fox and by pure accident was able to meet you know randy and then eventually you and and ross and and uh, gary platner and all these rv guys and it just really uh thought wow this is so cool and uh got back into aviation ownership with a little old tail dragger that I that I still own and love so much and um, an RV6 came up for sale here at, at our airport and uh, with Randy's help going through it and Walt's uh, decided to, to go ahead and get into it and uh, it's just been so much fun not just because of the airplane but the the people obviously there's lots of different cool airplanes out there but our, I think RV people are pretty cool I like them too so you got an RV6. It was a, mm -hmm. uh, it was an airplane on our field, right? And it came up for sale, and you bought it. Uh, tell me about it. So what's in it? What have you done to it? Yeah, it's it's a it. I think it's pretty cool for me. It's a um, it's an RV6. It has an injected 320, so it's a 160 horse engine. It has a fixed pitched Cato. And when we purchased the airplane, um, there was already two owners before before my wife and I. And it was it was lightweight, it was clean, it was basic, and uh, it was in our price point. And we thought, hey, this is something that uh, has a good history and, and again a good useful load, and um, we could get into this and, and then improve as we own it. And so we were able to put about a hundred hours on the airplane, and then with uh, Walt Aronow's help, we were able to basically do a complete gut job over the winter, and redid the entire panel and. Um, you know, again, that's just the story of it. It's not just a, an airplane or a machine, but it's the, the people that you meet along the way. And so just being friends with, you know, Doug and Randy and Gary and Walt and Ross and all these guys, it, it wouldn't be the same hobby if I tried to go down the same path by myself. In fact, I, I don't need the e exact same thing. I don't even know if I'd attempt it. I, I know. It's like you, you think you're going to get into this hobby, so you'll have an airplane, but it ends up not being about the airplane. Yeah, that's correct. It ends, about, ends up being... You've got 20 new friends and you're going mm -hmm. to lunch and you're, you're kind of, it, it's not so much about the flying anymore. I thought it would be more about the flying, but it's, 
Yeah. It's turned into more of a people hobby with an airplane on the side. It is, and it's also just so, um, you know, Vans just designed such a, a neat airplane. I've, I've I've been fortunate to be able to fly a lot of different GA airplanes. I, um, my last airline job application, you had to list out every airplane you flew, and I had to go through the logbook, and I found out I flew 60 different types of aircraft. <laughs> and I like airplanes. I got ADD for airplanes. I love them all. But but the Vans is so cool because it's just such, it's so efficient. You can do you know, cross-country stuff, low-speed stuff, you know, gentlemen acro, you can, you can give young people rides. It's just, it's just a great support network and, and the website and the community and the forums. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could beat it. Uh, tell me an interesting story involving you and your RV, somebody you met on a ramp, something you saw, something RV specific. You took it somewhere, you met somebody, you saw something interesting. Somebody walked up to you. Um, sixty years. It's not. It's not that there's not interesting stories, boy. I'd have to. I'd have to limit it down. Um, I don't know if I have a specific story. Just again, the general theme of the community and how we all know each other. So um, earlier today, Doug and I were both able to to fly. It's a beautiful day in North Texas, and I was out practicing some gentleman acro in in my red six since we did the uh, instrument panel upgrade with, with Walt to see how all the computers interact with each other. And uh, went to Bridgeport, which is everybody's kind of favorite fuel stop, ran into Gary Plattner and saw him again. And we all had a, a great hangar party yesterday that Doug helped promote. And so it's like, uh, it's a lifestyle. It's not an individual story. So it's like every yeah. time you come to the airport and you're around a plane, you're going to have a good time with other people yep. and a good flying experience. So I, I know half the time I come out here to fly... <clears throat> I don't fly, right? But I end up just hanging out with other RV people, and yeah, you look up and two hours have gone by, and you're like, "Well, I gotta get, I gotta go back to work." And yeah, but I mean, I still feel like I got my money's worth. Oh, absolutely! You can have fun, you know, wiping bugs off or yeah. visiting with somebody, or hey, I think I'll change the oil, or someone grabs you and says, "Hey, let's go do a quick formation flight," right? Or a kid drives by on a bike, let's go. Um, it it should the community well, is yesterday just yesterday so before much fun. the uh, the catfish fry. Uh, the, the new guy that's been showing up, David, his wife, Dawn, uh, mm-hmm. they're looking at getting an R, building an RV-10. <coughs> and I uh, was talking to Dawn. I went, have you ever been in an RV? She said no. It was about 11.15. I went, come with me. And we got in the plane and went and flew for about 15, 20 minutes and landed. And she's like, I didn't know I was going to do that until 10 seconds before it right. popped into my head. And she didn't know she was going to do that. David didn't know that. And and right. Then, I mean, it just it it just seems to it just seems to gel a little easier mm-hmm. than other hobbies. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's something that's definitely neat. Um, one thing that I've enjoyed since uh, with Walt's help, we redid my instrument panels. We went ahead and sprung for uh, an angle of attack indicator and, and some of the other computer stuff that I probably honestly don't need, but it's kind of neat. And the reason I wanted to do that was um, I like flying with younger people, and I've had ground school on my kitchen table, and um, my other airplane is a, a little 1946 Luscombe, so it's kind of like Doug's Cub. You got It's got a 65-horse engine. It's got a rag wing. You have to hand prop it. And so while I'm doing these ground schools, we'll talk about true airspeed and <laughs> angle of attack and whiz wheel e6b stuff but with the avionics that are now available in the experimental market for airplanes like these rvs i can go up with a young person and show them 
hey, look, if you roll it over to a 60-degree bank and snatch the stick, you watch your AOA increase, you watch your drag increase, and, and ta-da, yeah. you got an accelerated stall. Now, we've done that 100 times in a lost gum, and, and they learn the seat of the pants stuff, which is fun, but it's, it's a neat educational tool, but too. to see an indicator. Yeah. Yeah. So the access to cool stuff is another great reason to get into uh, experimental Yeah, when aircraft. I took uh, Dawn, I put that <laughs> vertical velocity indicator, that okay. VVI, and I went, put that on the horizon, and you know your level. Mm. And she went, oh, and just crushed it. Just put it right on the horizon. and Right. Yeah, you know, it's the, the little, the shiny stuff. It, it, it helps explain the concepts pretty well. Okay, you want to go into the speed round? I'll try. <laughs> Feel free to say pass on any or, of or, or you could help since I'll help, you know yeah. me better than Secret talent. Uh, lately, it's been polishing airplanes. That's, <laughs> that's, that's like redoing furniture. That's, that's a thing. I tell people if, um, if you hate your spouse or you're running from the IRS, polished airplanes are for you. Polished but, airplanes are for you. Weirdest yeah. job you've ever had. Oh, gosh. Um, my first job in aviation, I was uh, the guy in the de-ice bucket, and I was the guy driving <laughs> the uh, the lav truck. We nicknamed it the Turdhurst. Turdhurst. And uh, I was a fueler, but uh, before aviation, my I was a busboy at a at a uh, pancake house. Do you remember the name? Oh, absolutely. It was Village Inn in uh, <laughs> North Glen, Colorado, and I remember uh, what minimum wage was, and, and uh, it was all about trying to get out to the airport once every week or two to get a lesson yeah. with a Cessna 150, so. Yeah, I was a busboy at Casa del Rio, Ugh. and uh, it, it, currently on the side of the new Baylor football stadium. Oh, wow. But the restaurant was like midfield. I bus tables Ugh. on the field where the field is now. I distinctly remember a seven maybe eight-year-old red-headed kid making eye contact with me while he's dumping syrup on the table <laughs> and uh later i decided to go to college with uh, okay, memories uh, of that. guilty pleasure uh i wish i wasn't such an ice cream addict but it's it's pretty hard to turn down yeah. uh, almost well, nightly what never fails to make you laugh stepbrothers best <laughs> movie ever you took my answer one thing uh who is that? That's that Jabiru oh, engine. Yeah. One thing you will never eat or drink. Um, I I don't know if I could think of one. My my wife is half Korean and she's from Hawaii, and I grew up on fish sticks and hot dogs. And my parents were from the Midwest. When I met her, I uh, was introduced to all kinds of new food that involved chopsticks and things I can't pronounce. And uh, I'll, I'll try just about so everything. Just Although, I, something just popped into my, my brain. I am deathly allergic to nuts. Really? Yes. So yesterday's fish fry, yeah. that was in peanut oil. I couldn't have anything. <gasps> yeah. So I've never had a Snickers bar. I've never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so I tell the kids from church, hey, when we all get upstairs, I'm going to have a PB&J. See, <laughs> see what this is all about. See you on the I other have side. no idea. People tell me Reese's is good. I don't know. They are pretty good. Thanks, Doug. If uh, you could have a superpower, what would that be? Uh, Rob Reese's was pretty cool, but uh, for me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go monkey feet. Mon monkey, monkey feet. It'd be nice. Climb the hangar, you know. <laughs> kind of <laughs> X Men. Monkey feet. Best advice you ever got. Um, I think it's the advice that I try to tell other people uh, who are younger than I am, and it's you know you can't you can't choose the cards you're dealt, but you get to choose how you play them. Great. Worst advice you ever got? 
Uh, you can be anything you want. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I'm. If you saw me, I'm five seven. I don't think there's a chance I'm going to be a linebacker for the Cowboys. That's that's not reality. Yeah, something you wish you were better at. Um, I, I'd say one of my biggest regrets growing up is I never learned Spanish. I think it'd be useful to uh, travel and then, um, you know, visit with people. Um, especially in South Texas and, and um, other friends I have who live uh, internationally. So, okay. Any outside of RV interests? Um, well, other than RVs, I mean, I, I do airplanes almost 24-7, so I, I fly for an airline nearby, as does my wife. Um, come to the airport pretty much daily that I'm not at my day job. And uh, between uh, flying the Luscombe, polishing, hanging out with you guys, or doing the RV, it's it's just about every day. But um, well, uh, what about the, the the youth stuff? You uh, youth stuff, youth stuff is cool. Um, so the the idea is, you know, you can't you can't choose the cards you're dealt. You can choose how you play them. But I want to help give more give more cards to people who are interested in airplanes. And so. Um, I don't have children myself, but I found it super, super fun to to be part of that experience where you take someone in their teenage years and teach them how to fly a tailwheel airplane or or fly on grass or, or do that one-wheel landing or um, yeah. help them get through their written. Um, I find that really fun. And um, a couple guys out there, well, they'll leave the hangar and they'll say, hey, thanks, man. And I always tell them, honestly, hey, I'm having more fun at this than you are. <laughs> Um, for anyone out there who's thinking about getting a, an instructor certificate, Doug, um, <laughs> when you solo somebody, it's more fun than they have. When you cut the shirt and you get to give it back to them when they get their private, that's that's a neat, neat special thing. So I was lucky enough to get my CFI, and that's something I enjoy doing other than just a pancake run or whatever. Well said. Mm -hmm. An organization or charity that you'd like to plug? <clears throat> uh, one that I... One that I'm pretty excited about and um, we we help sponsor and I'm going to go visit is a place called South American Mission. Um, they're on the internet. And uh, one of my best friends is a pilot down in Peru and he and his wife, uh, David and Lisa Spires. You can find them on the internet. They uh, fly three 206s down there in the jungle. They go on really, really remote um, villages that are a lot of one-way-in, one-way-out, bush-style, jungle-ops stuff. They go on... Um, David flies into villages on rivers that are incredibly tricky. He'll he'll share with me some of his flying stories where they're coming around corners on one float because there's not enough room to maneuver, but they're delivering uh, well parts and doctors and dentists and um, sometimes vaccines. Sometimes they're medevacking sick people out to a, to a larger village where they can get medical help. And if uh, those airplanes aren't flying, that human need is still there and people would try to trek through the jungle which takes a lot of time and it's very dangerous and you can get hurt along the way so it might take days trekking or in a canoe but in a float plane you could get it in like an hour and a half what's the name of the organization south american mission southamericanmission.org okay yeah <clears throat> it's pretty neat and they have youtube videos it's pretty awesome maybe we can put a link on uh, yeah. the vafcast uh if you want a fifth this is a new question okay if you, if you want a 50 million dollar lottery Tell me one weird thing you would buy. <clears throat> you want me to tell you mine first? Go, yes. Okay. If I win the lottery first, you'll never hear about it because I'll never tell a soul okay. <laughs> except, except my wife. I want to have a very small house. Okay. And I also want to own the house next to it. It doesn't have to be a big house, just normal. could be smaller than the house we live in now. 
Nothing fancy. Okay. Typical suburbia. I own both houses, and I have a maid, and maybe even the maid's family. They, they live in the other house. So his or her job is to wash the sheets every day, cook dinner, and cook breakfast. So, and the way this would work is around 6 o'clock, you get a text. Uh, Doug, your dinner's ready, and we swap houses. And the house is clean, and dinner's on the table. The, cle- the sheets smell a little huh. like bleach, like in a hotel. Okay. You know, same TVs, same cable service, same internet. I think you could pull that off for a lot less than $50 million. Well, I'm, uh, hear okay. me out. Okay, okay. <laughs> and the maid and their family, they get to live there for free. They get to <clears> eat all the food they want. I'll buy all the food, but, but they've got to keep the fridges full. They've got to keep the houses clean, and they've got to wash the sheets every single day so I can have that little bleachy smell in the sheets when I crawl in bed. No. For some reason, I really like that. And you spend most of your life on the road. You're in a hotel every yeah, night. Yeah, so I was going to say, if you want to pull a off for you. Uh, a fraction of that dream, um, become a corporate pilot, <laughs> fly 18 days a month, and, and each night you'll you'll have that slight bleach but that aroma. Just, that just walking into the house and everything's, dinner's on the table. Ugh. And then you go to bed and you wake up yeah. and, and you get a text, breakfast is ready. And you walk to the other house and you'll just kind of greet each other in the driveway. Breakfast is on the oh, wow. other table. <laughs> and then they are cleaning the other house while you're doing your stuff. And then at dinner time, you swap houses. Sounds again. like heaven. So you just sleep in a, a different house every night. But they're side by side. Is that wrong? No, it's, it's cool. I, I still think you could get pretty nice houses for $50 million. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yours. Um... $50 million is a lot of money. Um, I think I could get my dream done for a lot less, but I'd like to buy a flight school or start one. And uh, I'd be specifically interested in, like, uh, airplanes that have sticks and tail wheels and grass strips and, uh, you know, do have a, maybe one division would be RV transition course and another one over here would be Acro. Maybe you have a Super Decathlon and a Pitts in there, um, since we have the weight issue with the with the RVs and a Cub, and we could buy Gary Plattner's Steerman and just have like several phases <laughs> and a where people could come and pardon and a starter for it. Yeah, well, yeah. So for those of you listening, Gary Plattner's got a cool Steerman. He's got the Lycoming engine. It has an inertial starter, so you can hand prop it the first go. But after it gets warm, you got to use the inertial and. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but that makes it part of the fun before you go get bugs in your teeth. So I'm going to go flight school. Okay. What is a band that people would be surprised that you like to listen to? New question. Um, man, I tell you what, I think everybody loves music that was popular when you were in high school. Yeah. And um, I knew from a young age my baseball career wasn't going to take off, so I was into skateboards. And so I really used to like punk metal. So I was really into uh, Beastie Boys and Rage Against the Machine and 311, and you know we would ride our skateboards in the parking yeah. lot and ditch school. And you hear that on the radio, and you kind of stop and listen to it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I told you before we started recording <clears throat> this, but mine is—it's a punk. It's a, a funk pop band from England called Level Forty Two, and it, uh, the bass player Mark King is just this total thumb slapping and popping Hmm. uh, funky pop beat i mean it's just sappier than duran duran but for some reason you know i was at that pivotal playing the bass age Um. and this guy is unbelievable if you look up 
Mark King on the bass guitar on YouTube. It'll just we can do your it. head will do that cartoon volcano thing because <laughs> the guy can just it's like speed metal but on bass. Wow. Anyway. Hmm. Okay. Uh, back to airplane stuff. Okay. What aviator, past or present, would you like to have dinner with? <clears throat> uh, boy, I'd I'd like to meet uh, Jimmy Doolittle. Jimmy Doolittle. And and uh, you know if you see the movie Pearl Harbor. Jimmy Doolittle was played by Alec Baldwin, who is like tall and dashing. Uh, Jimmy Doolittle looked like me. He was short, balding, (laughs) kind of a stout guy. And and most people, yeah, yeah, he'd be a good actor. But most people think Jimmy Doolittle with uh, the Doolittle Raiders, 42. Yeah, that's cool. But oh, by the way, he also was the first guy to do an outside loop. Yeah. He was also the first guy who, you know, flew under the hood and started instrument flying in a in a biplane. I mean, he was the man. Air was, racing, which he won all kinds of trophies at. The GB Air Racer. I mean, he was the man. So I'm gonna go do little. Well, and he walked the walk. He was in plane number one. Mm. You know. Yeah. Shortest runway off the end of the boat. Yeah. Favorite non-RV aircraft. Uh, 1946 Luscombe 8A Ragwing, Armstrong That's starter. Fairly specific. Age at solo. 16. Type of aircraft. Uh, Cessna 152 Heavy. Where? Erie, Colorado. Heavy. (laughs) And uh, it had snowed the night before. And so coming down to land, it was, uh, you know, the the snow in Colorado is real dry. It's like powder. And so touching down on the snow was just like kiss it was like nothing <laughs> and then uh fun fun story later it, when i was a corporate pilot i was at an airport called Powaukee. it's near chicago here and we're holding short and i'm watching this cessna 152 heavy come in kill puppies it <laughs> <laughs> goes around and i'm looking at it before our ifr clearance is ready and i go holy smokes that's the airplane i soloed in <laughs> so i'm like tower where's that airplane based and they said here i said you're kidding i soloed that plane they said oh you soloed a 150 and i said no i soloed that plane that in colorado that specific aircraft and so i've asked my wife if we could track it down and uh, buy it and she said <laughs> no two two's enough for now but someday i'm still gonna buy it tell me about a time you had a problem in the air any aircraft and what you did about it oh gosh uh <clears throat> so after flight instructing for a while in Indiana, I moved down to Dallas the first time, and this was a post-9-11 environment, not a lot of good flying jobs out there, so there was an occupation called flying canceled checks. That was like before the internet was invented, and so every night there was um, lots of piston airplanes flying all over America with bags and bags of uh, what we call work or freight in the back, and so we used to joke, we, we flew the worst airplanes through the worst weather for the worst pay, and... Um, <laughs> So this one particular leg was on a, was on a ho- dark and stormy Halloween night, and I had just got my FR clearance to leave Colleen, Texas, where there's no FBO and there's no tower. So you call on the ground, get a right. clearance, you take off, enter the clouds, and you try to reach them on the radio, and you continue on about your, your trip. So anyway, I had done that. I took off, uh, started north toward Dallas, and all of a sudden all the um, electrical systems started flashing, almost like... If someone was to come into your bedroom at night and flick the light switch on and off, that's what the airplane was doing. I thought, well, that's strange. So I decided to turn the master. They call that an attention getter. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it wakes you up. Um, So this was in a cloud, and it was at night, and it was raining. So anyway, I decided to turn the master switch off, turn all the electrical switches off individually, and then turn them back on one at a time until I could see which one was giving me trouble. And then go. You know, maybe it was a, a nav light circuit or something who knows well when i turned the master switch off obviously it got dark and when i went to go turn the master switch back on it didn't work 
<laughs> and I thought, well, this sucks. So I reached into my flight kit where I had two flashlights, one in case this happens, and another one I used for pre-flights every night. Well, I grabbed the wrong one. And so when I went to go shine it on the instrument panel, it had like one candle power. And this airplane had a, what we call a shotgun panel. It didn't have a, a standard six. So by the time I found the artificial horizon, the airplane was in about 110 degree bank <sighs> and going down. Oh, that's bad. So roll it out. And I thought, okay, hmm. The goal is to keep this job, not get violated, build hours to go fly jets. But now the electricity doesn't work. How do I how do I handle the violation part and whatnot? So I was trying to remember our rules we memorize, right. you know, when you get your instrument rating. And I thought, well, I can't get to Dallas. I have no VORs. I have no radios. That's not going to work. I'm going to have to go back to the airport and explain this on the ground. But I'm still in the clouds. So I decided to, to turn the airplane around with the one candle power flashlight of looking at all these instruments and descend slowly. And it was about, I think, maybe 800 foot overcast. So it descended through that. And luckily enough for me, there was uh, some rain. Those rain showers made really, really good visibility under the cloud layer. So when I descended, I found a road, followed the road, made it back to town. And because it was raining, it made the runway wet because I couldn't turn the lights on because no electricity. So every time the beacon came around, you could see, you could the, see runway. the runway. And I go, that's cool. So landed and um, the, the poor air traffic controller I was speaking to before all this happened thought I crashed. Because they said cleared via, yada, yada, and then I'm in a spiral. I just send below their minimum vectoring altitude. They right. thought I crashed. So all the fire trucks and everything came to this airport. And I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I just decided to turn around. So I woke you guys up. And then I ended up sleeping in the plane until a 402 showed up with a mechanic and a new battery. And come to find out what had happened, the airplane just got out of maintenance. Shocking. And uh, one of our maintenance technicians had left a wrench in the battery compartment and it was bouncing around and, and that's what it called the flashing and then it finally shorted and melted everything so so we were flying back and mechanics love to fly or ours did they didn't have pilot certificates and a lot of them were from south of the border and i was one of the company instructors i said hey man you want to fly he's like oh see see i want to fly oh capitan i said okay and so we're <laughs> flying and i let him go into clouds running it's legal i'm on a flight plan i said hey check this out and turn the master switch on. He's like, I cannot see El Capitan. I said, I know. Let's let's remember that when we're working on batteries. Okay, okay. You got me. Point taken. And then uh, master back on. So that was a good little story. Uh, okay, so uh, day job, you're an airline guy? I'm a, yeah, first officer on a 737. And if you had have one, how did you get your call sign or what was it? Uh, I've been lucky. I've been flying airplanes for 25 years. Don't really have one yet. I'm sure... It's coming with the formation stuff we're doing at this airport and whatnot. I'm bound to yeah. mess something up pretty good. So we'll see. What did you give up hobby-wise to do this RV thing? Um, I used to really, really like motorcycles. What uh, Street, motocross, enduro? Street. Yeah, I went through quite a few bikes. I'm from Colorado. I used to love riding in the mountains. And then South Texas, that was a lot of fun. But um, when I go to work, people are like, well, Matt, don't you get enough flying here at work? And I'm like, buddy, we're monitoring. We're not <laughs> flying anything. And, I, and what I tell people is um, RVs and general aviation as a whole um, is fun because it's what motorcycling was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, freedom, turn this way, that way, get, um, you know, yeah. bugs in your teeth and all of that. But, you know, in an, in an airplane... It's so neat that we get to do that in America with, with some of the other traveling I've done to other countries. I, I hope we never forget 
to um, not take it for granted. A lot of countries can't do this. They, it's harder for them to build an airplane. Hunter Lowlight costs a gazillion dollars. They have so many restrictions. Here, you and I can just take off at a Vernon Towered airport, turn yeah. left if you want. If you want. Follow a river. Go look at follow some that deer. deer. Go look at that turkey. If that's what you want to do. And it's really neat. And, yeah. I, and I hope that we can keep it going. It's important. Well, if you could fly only one more time knowing it's your last flight and you could choose any plane, past or present, what would it be? It's still going to be the last one. I mean, it could be the X-15. Yeah. You know, I met him once. I met Scott Crossfield once. Really? Yeah, I was a line guy. I was putting gas in airplanes, and uh, he came in with his wife, and at the time they had a 210. Unfortunately, in the future, that's that's the airplane they perished in when they um, yeah. accidentally penetrated a thunderstorm. But anyway, I was a kid line guy, and uh, my foreman grabbed me. He goes, hey, hey, Scott Crossfield's over there. But, you know, he doesn't want to sign autographs or anything. And I happen to notice he had an early model 210, which was very um, uh, valuable in Colorado because it had a different wing on it. And I said, hey, cool, an early 210. And he's, like, screaming at me. He goes, yeah, this is the good one. <laughs> and he had a, um engine sticker on his cowl. I think it was. It was an opinion. It was something else anyway it was a balanced engine i go oh, wow cool you got the good motor he goes yeah i got the good motor <laughs> and his wife chimes in this sweet older lady and she goes he doesn't hear so good he used to fly rocket planes i go yeah i heard of that and so anyway that. um scott crossfold uh got astronaut wings flew the x-15 yeah. he was in all these accidents he was like a stud but at the end of the day what's the guy want to do he wants to talk about his propeller airplane and yeah. that's all of us right i know I that's know. all of us I know. So, what aviation milestone are you most proud of? Um, so I have a, a good friend of mine named Jack, and he has a 1957 Belanca Cruise Master. You might have to Google that one because it's a unique airplane. It has three tails, a wood wing. It has an 0470, a constant speed prop. It has hydraulically operated landing gear and flaps. It has three fuel tanks. Wow. And I met him through our antique chapter, and he really, really was passionate about pilots and paws, which is something I love also. Yeah. And he said, boy, if I could get an instrument rating, I could fly more dogs, but every time there's a cloud, I have to cancel. And I was like, you know what? I love your airplane. I love your mission. I'll do your instrument on the house because I love this. Yeah. Well, he only his airplane was only equipped with one OBS receiver, one, not two. He didn't have DME. He didn't have GPS. He didn't have ADF. And he, so we did his entire instrument rating old school, meaning two clocks had to time everything, one wow. for the fuel tank, one for the procedure turn. He had one OBS, so he had to constantly go back and forth to like co-locate his position sure. on the Victor Airway or where he was in the approach. And it, it was a struggle because there, he had so much going on, but he got that instrument rating done successfully here at this airport on his first go. And I thought, wow, uh, just the utmost respect for him. So that was fun to watch. That's the best answer I've ever heard on that question. Okay. So what's next on your... This is the last question. Oh, okay. What is next on your aviation horizon? Um, <clears throat> so, dun, dun, dun. two things, really. Um, I'm going to go down to Peru to visit with my friend David. We're going to do some float flying, or he's going to show me how he does float flying and, and hopefully teach me some stuff on the rivers down there in the jungle. That'll be fun to learn. And then also, I recently discovered gliders. So my wife is from Hawaii, and I was able to experience that out there. I thought it was fun, and we have two really neat glider ports here in, in Texas. And it's a, a neat combination of uh, peaceful yet technique-intensive, and, and I think gliding is really, really cool. It's very grassroots-ish. Yeah. 
I'd like to do that. And they tow with tailwheel airplanes. How cool is that? Uh, Dan does it. it. Yeah. Glider's a rule. Matthew, it has been an absolute pleasure. Cool. Thank you for doing this. Did this suck more than you thought it would? No, no. It's fun to it's fun to sit around and visit. This is pretty much what we do every day anyway. It's just right. we're holding might a mic, well, might as well. sit around, visit, and tell some silly story or, or whatnot. And that's I'm going to go take some pictures of your instrument panel. Awesome. And I'll put that up on the intersect uh, interwebs, and I'm going to buy your lunch today if you go with us. Somebody. There 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 is free polish lessons available in my <laughs> hangar. I understand. Thank you, my friend. You're a good egg. Super fun. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it.